Welcome to Big Time Adulting, the podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Murray. Buckle up and get ready to take it deep on life, relationships, parenthood, and everything in between. Join in with me to feel deeply, provoke your inner spirit, and laugh or cry because we all know it's a pretty fine line. Good afternoon or whatever friggin' time of day it is where you're listening to this podcast. I am back with a really awesome guest this week. Um, I have today Aaron Steinberg. He is a relationship expert and father of two boys. He's the founder and CEO of Baby Proofing Your Relationship, which is an organization that brings together the best of couples counseling and parenting education by helping new parents deepen their relationship through the chaos of early parenthood. Aaron has a master's in psychology, training in complex trauma practice, and a robust education in sex and relationships. Yeehaw! When Aaron became a dad, he and his wife also struggled to stay connected through the early parenthood years. So he set out to create the tools and the courses he needed that didn't exist yet. So Aaron, what's up? Hi, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me. It's very strange to hear your bio fed back to you. I've got to say like, yes. okay, cool. That's what I've done. That's cool. Wow. I'm so accomplished. You're so <laughs> pat on the back right this minute. No, I'm really excited to have you here because I just find this to be like such an interesting and important topic as I feel like it truly affects couples every couple who, who becomes new parents. And it's funny because I'm only really looking at it from like the woman's side and I haven't even really heard. And I, I get so much feedback from moms all the time that I think it's also going to be really interesting to get like the male perspective on all of this, but just like to kick things off. I mean, when I first became a mom, I felt like my world was entirely turned upside down. Like I, I was not prepared for how much my life changed after I had a baby and I wasn't expecting to feel the way that I felt about it. I was like feeling kind of sad that my life as I knew it or scared or whatever it was, was gone, you know? And like, that was, it, it was like, it was like the death of my past life and like a rebirth of this whole new life that I didn't know how to navigate. And after, you know, the first couple of weeks where my husband and my mom were around and that kind of thing, and they went back to, my mom went home and my husband went back to work and it was just me home with the baby. I was like, holy shit. Like my husband's life is like pretty much the same still right now after a couple of weeks. And I'm here in this like entirely new role of life. And I think that was a really hard time for me just getting through those early months of my first experience as a mom, like waiting for my husband to get home from work. Like, Oh my God, please walk through the door so I can hand the baby off and like talk to another human. I'm so bored. I'm understimulated, but I'm also exhausted. And how was your fucking day when you went to go get a coffee whenever you felt like it, you know? Well, thanks for giving me a doorway into that just to start us off. I mean, it, those times are so weird because there's like the individual isolation, right? Where you're at home. My wife and I kind of always split being part-time stay-at-home parents and part-time working right from the very beginning. That's kind of how we set it up. So like, I know those moments so well of like being solo with the kids and waiting for, in my case for her to come through the door. 
And it's so weird because it's so lonely and frustrating individually. But then they come home and you're like, yeah, take the kid. I'm going to do my own thing. And there's like no relationship, you know? Yeah. Was it hard on your relationship? I mean, certainly it was very hard on my relationship. You know, I think like at the beginning, my husband didn't have like, and I actually, I, I really don't think that I felt like this, like immediate connection to my baby either at the beginning, like that I thought that I would have had. Um, so, and I think that my husband was even feeling further distance. Like he was waiting for the time where like the more interaction would occur between he and the baby and that kind of thing. And not just like kind of holding this like warm sack of water all the time. Right. But, (laughs) um, I think we had similar sort of feelings that way. Like, Whoa, this is like, kind of boring, you know? And then, um, and so at least we were on the same page about that. Like I wasn't kind of like, you need to be more whatever. Cause I wasn't as like invested, like fully emotionally, mentally, as I would have thought maybe I would have been at the beginning. Hmm. So I think he could understand where I was coming from and I could understand where he was coming on that, but from on that stuff. But and we talked and he was supportive of me and like appreciative of me being the one like bearing the burden of the, the heavier load of the child rearing in those early days. So I always appreciated that acknowledgement, but that didn't always help. Like when you feel like you're just taking on all of it anyway, you know, even, even though you're acknowledged, it doesn't help that like, you still sort of feel like you're getting the shitty end of the stick a little bit. That makes sense to me. I mean, you have three, right? Yeah. How how old's your youngest? He's three now. He's closer to four, actually. He'll be four in May. So, so you're kind of like emerging from, from the fog. I feel like, right? Yeah, I would say so. When we decided to go for the third, it was not an easy decision because we had already been through a lot with my my oldest son, who was still in treatment for leukemia at that time. And but we always really wanted three. And I was like, okay, it's going to be a solid three years of just like trudging through the mud now. And uh, once we make it past that, I feel like the sort of clouds part and the sun starts to peek through a little bit when they get that extra independence and just it gets a little easier. Yeah. You kind of get yourself back. Yeah. And, and have you, if you don't mind me asking, has your, has things sort of come back together relationally? Do you feel like you have some sense of romantic connection with each other? Yeah. To be honest, I don't think they ever really went away. I will be honest and say that like my husband and I have a super strong relationship and really always have had a, a good sense of like team with each other and support for each other. Um, he's often able to be the bigger person. So that's probably why. Um, <laughs> I'm jealous. That's but, amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm with three kids. Well, you know, it's like one of those things where we've been through so much together as parents now, having had a child with cancer. And I think just like, that really brings you back to everything that's most important in life and being on each other's team and trying to work through um, things from a place of love and respect and acknowledgement and appreciation for the other. And, you know, we're not perfect. Like there's definitely times where I'm like, Oh my God, he's driving me crazy today. I've asked him to do this and he hasn't done it yet or whatever stuff like the normal things. But Generally speaking, there's not a lot of toxicity 
going on, I feel like. So I do feel very lucky to have found that in my relationship. But even still in like a, I feel like in a highly supported relationship and marriage, the beginning of life with a baby is super difficult. Okay. So in, in advance of today's podcast episode, we had set up a call line where people could leave questions on a voicemail for us. So we're going to get right into it. Erin, we've got some questions for you today. Here's the first one. Hey there. Um, I guess our question is um, we're expecting our first in a few months and are looking for the best advice or or tactics to try to not have this baby run our lives, even though we know that that's exactly what's going to happen. But um, just want some advice on how to um, try to limit, you know, our relationship being affected as much as it very likely will. Thanks. Well, it's interesting because I, I hear like almost two questions in the question. Um, you know, it's like, how do we not let the baby take over our life? But also, how do you maintain the part of your relationship that makes you more than, you know, teammates, business partners, friends, roommates, you know, like how do you keep a romantic bond alive in early parenthood? And for me, I think it's like, you're threading this very strange needle where on one hand, everything is taking you away from your romantic relationship, right? Like we were talking about earlier, you're just like ships passing in the night, mm -hmm. hand the baby off, dividing and conquering. And so I feel like you have to find this balance between not pressuring yourself to make this time something it isn't because it's a different time, right? Like it's a time of nurturing your baby and becoming a family. And it's not meant to be like the peak romantic time of your life. And at the same time, your relationship is not going to be sustainable and you're not going to like want to stay together if you have no romantic and intimate relationship. So I feel like you sort of make that a priority in a reasonable way. Like my wife and I would try to have some form of a date night. I mean, obviously at the very beginning, this is kind of a wash, but we try to have like some form of a date night every week, even if that meant just like we put the baby to bed, like sort of theoretically walk through this doorway to making dinner together or like, you know, watching something together in more of like a concentrated way than just like flopping on the couch, right? Like you have to though, try to keep that intimacy alive. And I think one of the keys is, expanding the gray area of what intimacy means, right? Like I think a lot of us, some people are very hip to like modern sex practices, but I was not until I started to study this. And like, um, could you please elaborate on that? What does that mean? Modern sex practices? Yes. Dive deep, Aaron. <laughs> I'll dive deep. So like sex exists in these sort of binaries for most of us, right? One is sort of the, it's like the sex, penetrative sex, nothing on off switch. And then it's like the orgasm, no orgasm on off switch. So in sex therapy, instead of thinking about it as like, oh, we're either having penetrative sex or not, there's this whole spectrum of intimacy that's like building, forgive the new aginess of this, like sexual energy between the two of you or intimate energy. That's, that's so much other things between just that moment when you're actually having sex, right? Anything from hand-holding to kissing to touching each other's butts to hugging to making out to giving massages to taking baths together 
right? Like if you can't experience together the pleasure and intimacy of those moments, it's just going to be really hard. Just be like, okay, cool. Let's jump into bed together. You know, like we haven't even talked in a week because you've been at work and I've been with the kids, but yeah, let's just have sex. Right. So that's one. And then the other one is focused on the goal of sex being like, well, we both want to get off. Right. And like getting off is awesome. There's nothing wrong with getting off. Obviously that's great. But really at this time, your whole access to that and pleasure might've changed. And so it's more about like setting aside time to physically connect with your partner, being together and touching each other and like whatever the sensual component of your relationship is. Yeah. I think also like at the beginning, like you said, a lot of this is going to be a wash. Like don't put much pressure on yourself to feel very sexy or any of that for kind of a while. Right. Because it's just hard. You're touched out. Like you're maybe you're breastfeeding, even if you're not, you're holding a baby, you know, like 90% of the day, it feels like, um, and you're exhausted, you know, you're just physically wiped out, but like people have different needs. Like women have different ways of like feeling like they want to be intimate. Right. And that's definitely not just necessarily even through touch, it's can be more through like, you were thinking that I needed help with this before um, I asked you to. And that is fucking sexy to me. Thank you for thinking of me, you know, like, thank you for putting me first in this moment. And that makes me want to hug you. And then hugs can sometimes lead to other things that don't involve your clothes. <laughs> For sure. For sure. So hopefully we didn't just scare you with all of this sex and intimacy doomsday stuff. But um, I think the other part I feel like is just kind of more about like general, how do you navigate like this time not ripping you apart? I, I guess it would be helpful to say that the most common thing that people say that I hear over and over and over and over again is that they just don't like the way that the responsibility is divided up right? That they don't feel like they're a team. They feel like too much is on them. And I think preparing for that to feel that way and for that to be a thing is very important. And knowing that this is like an evolving conversation that never stops. Like, I think for most people, they're like, okay, you're going to do this and I'm going to do this. I'll be the working parent and I'll be the stay at home parent. And it's like, that's not really an effective division of things, in my opinion. Like, I think you have to go through and be like, okay, here are all the things that our family system is required now that we have a kid and who's going to own what, who's going to be responsible for what, are we going to split certain things 50, 50, like my wife and I always split wake ups and bedtimes 50, 50, have a weekly meeting, like literally set aside one nap to like check in about how it's going. Yeah. And I think like before you have a baby, you have a lot of thoughts about how you think things are going to go and think you're going to feel and that kind of thing. Or, um, you know, the way you're going to divide your roles, that sort of thing. And in theory, in your mind at the time, it all seems like, okay, we could do this, you know, like, or I'm trying to wrap my head around this, but in practice, it doesn't always turn out the exact way that you thought it was. And that's fine, right? Because you can talk about how to fix it. Like you're saying it, I think that like the key is to check in with how you're actually feeling about 
everything before you let it get to a point of resentment with the other. Sometimes you can feel in a marriage like it's two teams and somebody's trying to be winning. And I think you kind of have to reframe your mindset on that stuff to be like, okay, wait, we're, we have a child, we have a family now. This is one, we're on one team, like team goals. Like, sorry to be such a meathead here with my team analogies, but (laughs) it applies to life really well. I love it. I, I use team all the time. Like it's one of the core principles in the work that I do because I don't know, I guess for, for the listeners out there, if you take one thing away, at least that I want to contribute to, I think relationships are like made or broken on whether you can be a team in places where you're in opposition, right? Like it's a very tricky thing and sort of doesn't even make sense. Like if my need is one thing and your needs, the other thing, or my choice for the kid is one thing and yours is the opposite. How can you be a team when you're sort of positioned against each other? If you can get creative and figure that out, like you're going to work, you know, your relationship is going to work. Okay. So I want to move on to the next question, which is like more about the division of labor. Here we go. Hi. Um, I am a mom of a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, both me and my husband work full time. Um, and I find that the ongoing argument since we had kids is I always feel like I'm doing way more while still working full time. We don't have a housekeeper. We don't have somebody that takes care of the yard. My husband has a physically demanding job and he's tired. So how the best way to balance trying to be a team and getting certain things done so that it's not a stressful argument every month or few weeks or I don't know, whenever I'm going to have my period is usually when it really starts. But besides the point, thank you, Caitlin. I love you. As always, your stuff is real to the point and always brings a laugh. So thank you. Bye. Aaron. Um, yeah, I see. Well, it's just, see, it's like, I, I don't want to freak, I don't want to freak the last questioner out, but it's like, see, there we go. As, as we noted, this is the thing. Um, these questions are a little tough because like, I really, it would be easier if we were like talking to the actual people because there can be so many different things that are going on here because we all keep score, right? Like it's very common that, both people, no matter which role they're doing, feel like they're doing too much. I also think it's just interesting in the verbiage of her question, like my husband has a physically demanding job, right? Like there's a little bit of like a hedge there of like, well, he's already so tired. So I should be doing like, I don't know. It's weird to comment. Like, no offense. If this was your question and you're listening, like I have the utmost respect and empathy for all of this, but you know, it's just like, I found, and I think it's true that there are almost no jobs that are as draining as parenting, right? Like, I think, you know, maybe like a ER doctor or something, right? Who's like dealing with life and death all the time. But it's like, for me, the focused attention that is required of being a parent is as physically demanding as any job I've ever seen anyone do, right? It's just constant. And physically demanding when you're dealing with little kids. I mean, you're fucking picking those people up all the time, trying to buckle them. That's like wrestling a baby alligator, getting one of those things into a car seat, you know? 
They fight dirty. They do fight dirty. My son's always like flip it when he's four now, but he used to like flip over. I'm like, I literally can't stop him from flipping over on the changing table. Yeah. This is ridiculous. You just kicked me in the tit again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, well, sorry, I didn't mean to interject, but I think like I I personally wrestle with that, um, the division of labor question a lot in my household because my husband and I occupy like super traditional gender roles. Like I'm the stay at home mom and he is the go to work dad. He happens to also work super long hours. Like he is up and out of the house before anyone's awake and usually doesn't even get back till bedtime for my especially youngest, you know? So it's not like he's slacking off or saying he can't help me. He's just physically not here to do, to help me out most of the days, you know? And when he is here, he's very helpful, but it's just, it's the shake that I get, but then I end up taking on so many more domestic related tasks because I am physically in the home, you know, all of the meal planning, all of the, you know, restocking of supplies and groceries and kids, everything, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is why this is such a complicated question and it's so personal because I think you're pointing to something really important, which is like the answer might be a partner is slacking off, right? Like if we make it heteronormative, it might be that the guy is working using that as sort of this like default excuse. Like I'm so tired from my job. I can't do anything else. I need to rest. I'm so stressed out and it's kind of bullshit, right? Like that can be a part of it or it can be like, there's reality to it. Like we literally couldn't pay our bills if one of us is not out there working 12 hour days and this has to be the case. And so I think like to her question, the starting place isn't about the behaviors, right? The starting place isn't about the actual division of tasks. It's about, do we feel like we're in this together or not? Right. Because I hear in your voice, you know, I think like I hear in your voice, like you and what you said, you feel like you and your husband are in it together. Right. So you might get frustrated that you have to do all those things, but there seems to be some sense of like, I get we're in this together. I get this is how we're needing to do things right now. And as long as I feel like we're on a team, we can bear the frustration and make adjustments and find our way through it. Yeah. Right. For most people, they're so disconnected that it's just like you try to bring it up and it just gets dismissed. And there is no sense of team. You're just the stopping place of connection over it. And that's, I think, where people get really resentful or frustrated because two couples could have the exact same practical division of tasks and feel very different levels of satisfaction in their relationships because of the differences and whether they feel like they're in it together. Yeah. And I could go far down the rabbit hole on this one and like the definitions of success and, you know, monetary success versus maybe the success of the family as a whole type thing, you know, just, um, stability, emotional stability, love, all of that thing, all of those important things that are just not, you know, measurable. Um, but the other part, although they're starting to be measurable, I hope, you know, in brain, in brain states and trauma, I mean, all this stuff is like, I think fortunately we're coming into a much better balance of like, you know, unfortunately American culture is just kind of this way where everything has to be measured for it to be valid. But we are starting to be able to measure the impact of some of these things that were previously intangible and like 
actually having to say like, no, you know, like we both need to be giving our presence to the kid or it's, you know, measurably not going to go well, you know, like we're, I hope turning over kind of a new leaf in terms of our values. And it's not just, you know, this being stuck in the seventies of I'm putting dinner on the table. So what do you want from me type of thing? Right. Yeah. And like, just, uh, so I, I found myself in a place like, this is just a, a personal account story, whatever, recently something that happened to me, I was like getting so fed up with the meal planning and the decision-making of what everyone was fucking eating all the time every day. It's just like monotonous, you know? And at the same time, I am the person who has to do that. So I accept it basically as my place in time right now. But I had to like, I was just talking to my husband about it and I was like, can you tell me about something that you do at work that like is so fucking tedious that you hate doing every day? You know, just like tell me an anecdote of something that you have like that. And, and he did. And it was like, I was like, Oh yeah, that sounds so boring and awful and tedious. I would hate to have to do that every day. And it wasn't like my role was going to shift or anything was going to change out of what my responsibilities were in that situation. But it was more of a simpatico moment for me with him where I'm like, he's dealing with a lot of bullshit as well. Yeah. I mean, see, it's, I, I love that you shared that. Thank you. Cause it's just like, it's, it so illustrates this point of like, we're both the unsung hero of all this kind of stuff. And we don't really know what the other is doing. And if we can get into each other's world, we can feel like we're in it together. And that sets the tone for everything. Like I'm sure after hearing that meal prepping felt easier to you. It totally did. I felt almost relieved to be doing like making breakfast then that. Yeah. It's so real. And I talk about like in the course and stuff, this idea of the family system, because in modern times, like it's very difficult. You're never, you're very rarely, maybe not never going to get like, each of us does the exact same amount of this task. Right. Right. But it's like, if you can look at it and go, here's all the resources and tasks and planning and all the things we need to make our family function, which money is a big part of that, right? Like we can't just pretend like making money doesn't matter. Right. right? But if we can look at all of this and be like, we're in this together, what is the best way to tackle this to create maximum satisfaction for all of us? Right. Totally. Sometime you're still going to do shit you don't want to do. Right. It's not like you're like pumped about meal planning and you're like, wow, I love that now. Right. But you're like, this is my role right now. And we're, I'm in it with him. He's also doing tedious shit. It feels better. You know, like I, I totally relate to that also. Misery loves company. <laughs> That's the pessimistic <laughs> view on this. <laughs> So we have another question and I want to get to it because I feel like it's a really hot question, which is, um, it just is a representative of the group questions, which is about libido. We, we started to touch on all of that before, but I feel like there's this whole other can of worms that we're going to open here. So let's listen to this final question here. Hi. First of all, it's so cool to dial a number and hear your voice on the other line like we're good friends. Um, my question about baby-proofing my marriage is about sex and libido and how to convince myself to have sex when it's the last thing on my mind. 
I don't know how to relax and enjoy it when I'm waiting for a baby to start screaming in the other room. I have no libido. I just can't talk myself into wanting it. Help. Thank you. Oh, she's so sweet. I know. (laughs) And so relatable. So raw. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a tricky one. I mean, first of all, I just want to do a little bit of normal. I mean, it's a little weird, right, for me as a man kind of answering this question. But, you know, I went through all of this in my own way. And my wife and I are very connected. And I, I feel like I get this from some level. So forgive the part of it that's sort of assumptive. But just to do some normalizing here, like, it's very normal. And maybe you want to talk about this too, Galen. It's very normal yeah. in the beginning of parenthood to not have desire for sex. Like it's just, I think it's a little bit of too much pressure to just like assume you should be wanting this for some period of time. Like the beginning of having kids, your body's not yours. Your life is not yours. Like you're doing your best to have some sense of self, but like you're developing a child, you know, you're keeping a child alive. Like I think for everyone, it just feels like a much less sexy, sexy time. So I don't know. I bet it's different for everyone, but if we want to generalize probably in heterosexual relationships, it's much less sexy for a biological mom because of the touched out. Yeah. That we're talking about. Yes. And I've got, I get that. I got a few other phone calls, voicemails that alluded to that very much. Just like I am touched out at the end of the day. And I, I get that as well. Even when, even my kids being older now, I sometimes feel that way after like, you know, Luke is still only three. Like I carry him places. I'm with them constantly. There's, there's not a lot of like that physical autonomy that I feel like I crave. And even just, I think so I also want to ask you because there are people who even asked about like when your kids get older and they're, you know, preteens and teens, but around all the time and awake late or, you know, just like more aware of what's going on, how and where do you preserve your intimacy? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's extremely tricky. I mean, there's different layers of answers to this. And also just speaking to her thing of like, how do I convince myself to have sex? Like one, one layer of answer to the question you just asked is like, you just have to get really creative. Like maybe, I mean, if your kids are teenagers, right. Maybe there is just some night once a week where you just leave them alone, or maybe you find a way to sneak away from work and, you know, whatever, maybe you have the resources to get a hotel room for a few hours, or maybe you find some sneaky thing that's hot for both of you. Um, that's like not at home or in the car or whatever it might be. Right. I mean, that having kids around you for almost everyone is not a turn on, right? Like that's just not sexy to feel like you can't use your voice. You know, you don't feel safe. Like you're on edge of whether like in her case, the baby's going to start crying or kids are going to come in or whatever. So it's like finding, collaborating and finding some sort of way that you can find a sexy way to do this, Um, even though it's like, yeah, duh, that's so easier said than done. And it is easier said than done. So I feel like a lot of intimacy with kids is a little bit patchwork, right? You're kind of doing your best to like find a way to do it that feels good to you, even in the midst of just how incredibly difficult this is, you know? 
Yeah, and I think like going back to um, the caller who asked about how not to have the baby like run their lives and how to still make time for each other, all of that really intertwines with like intimacy and sex, I think, especially for women in the sense that like, well, so my husband and I also, when we, when my first was born and it was like, it's, you know, at the beginning, again, like you're exhausted, all this stuff. But then once you come out of the fog a little bit and you have a little bit more energy or time to plan the baby sleeping better, that kind of thing, we did do like kitchen date nights, you know, like put the baby down. And like you were saying what you do with your wife, like cook a nice meal together, open a bottle of wine, like have a good conversation, put some music on, like enjoy each other's company. Like don't just mail it in and just like, um, make it special somehow, whatever that means for you guys, you know, it's like specific people have their own needs and stuff. But as long as you like, I think you take, if you can take a step to make something special once a week, it just opens the door to a more intimate mindset for you, you know, and then you might be like more inclined to find a way to make it happen. If, even if you don't feel like you really wanted to, you know, earlier, this morning or something. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that, that, so it's like, I go both sides of this, right? Like on one side, I have so much empathy for just like the complete lack of desire that a lot of people have in the beginning for having an intimate life. And then on the other side, that's balanced with, you have to make your intimate life a priority. I don't necessarily mean by that, like you have to make sure to have sex all the time or something like that because it's just difficult but you have to make the romantic component of your relationship matter and stretch yourself like for me i had to stretch myself into you know feeling more comfortable being independent so i could give my wife like an independent sense of self for which she could have desire arise to connect with me right whereas she needed to stretch herself to like actually make it a priority to connect with me instead of just the default to well, I'm just going to go read in bed while you're putting the kids down and then I'll be asleep by the time you're done. Sexuality is so much more complicated than most people give it credit for. Like, what is a turn on for you? Like, what pleasure is for you? In the Goop sex series, they talk about this thing, sexual blueprint. It's so, so, so cool. Like, I highly recommend everyone watches this because you understand, like, oh, do I respond to like the environment, right? Like there's certain people that are like, oh, I need to be in a particular type of environment that turns me on, right? Whereas some people it's like more just explicit, like, oh, I see sex or I imagine sex or I hear sex and that turns me on. Whereas for other people that wouldn't be a turn on at all. So everyone's ways of feeling turned on are very different and you have to get really sophisticated in your relationship to sexuality to have a satisfying sex life and parenthood because there's just not as much margin for error right now that we have kids and all the stuff going on. Like if I know that, you know, lighting a candle creates a scene or a feeling that is arousing for my wife, which is literally true. Sorry, Liz, to call you all <laughs> like that, um, that, you know, like that's going to do something that's going to help us. Right. Because sorry to go on and on and on here, but I just really want to touch on for this, this woman, like, I don't think you should try to force yourself to have sex. Like, I don't think the answer to this is overriding your lack of desire. I think the answer to this is actually realizing that you've changed, right? Your life has changed. You've changed. 
and you need to rediscover pleasure for yourself. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree with that. I think like it changes in different phases of your relationship. And obviously none of us are, if you're, you know, in the marriage and having children phase, you're no longer in that honeymoon phase anymore. And it's not going to be always easy to just like hop in the sack together. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. Like making the effort to create intimacy is well worth it. I mean, it's really the foundation of your whole family and your life kind of relies on the couple, the strength of, you know, you and your partner, but it's definitely not always easy. And I mean, I know you were saying like, you know, you just like, you shouldn't just like mail it in, like do it just to do it. But sometimes I'm not saying this all the time or whatever, but like, sometimes it's like exercise. Like, you know, you just like, you don't really want to do it, but you're happy you did it after. <laughs> totally. Like I knew that was good for me. I knew I, I should have done that. That was good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Th- I mean, I think that's a form of finding something in it for you, right? Like, like maybe you don't feel like it's motivating to like have sex, but maybe it's motivating to feel the way you feel the connection you feel or the satisfaction you feel after the fact, right? Maybe that's an answer to our caller's question. Like, you know, you just think about how like, you know, that you're going to be happy that you connected with your partner afterward, even if it doesn't feel that exciting to start with, you know? Yeah. I think like also because of like women being very touched out, like you almost become desensitized to touch in some senses like that. I, sorry for using sense so many times in that sentence. I just, anyway. Um. <laughs> I bet you that there's some, I bet you that's true. I've never heard that explicitly talked about, but I bet literally you become, is that, do, do you know, do you know of studies about that or that? Yeah. I think that, you know, you're, you just kind of like turn yourself off a little bit there because like you're so touched out, right? Whatever, overstimulated. And, um, I think one of the things like that helps is if you just even like in a state of a hug, like not to just hug, but to like take a second to like feel that person's like body, feel that they're like skin, like touch their skin, you know, and like, or just feel their hand touching your hand, like make a a point to savor that, that feeling in that moment and just like remember that touches like a beautiful, nice thing. I think you're so spot on. This is kind of what I, you're saying. It's so much better than I said it, but this, this thing I was saying about like the intimacy gray area, right? Where it's not a sex, no sex on off light switch. It's like, feel the, you know, like feel what it feels like to be touched. Like let the love get, in, let, let the it love in. in, let <laughs> the sunshine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was a pretty comprehensive answer to those questions. And I just like, I, I think you're the professional, but like, I I just think none of it's going to be perfect. And like accepting that is also a step in the right direction. Like not putting, like you, you, you said that several times throughout, like stop putting so much, pr- don't put so much pressure on it all. Yeah. I think like, to me, like the the relationships that succeed, you just keep trying, you keep coming back. Maybe sex was super frustrating, or one of you was really sad that it didn't happen or whatever one time, but you just try again, right? You just try again. What more can I learn about what I do want right now? 
this sex therapist I'm friends with, her name is Zoe Sype. Um, I remember talking to her uh, when my kids were really young and she was like, it feels like you want this to go backward. Like you're not really in the journey forward, right? Like where you need to start where you are and like create what it is you want to create over time. And it's going to be frustrating and annoying and, but you're going to get there. And that's been completely true for me. I think you just keep coming back, keep coming back, keep being on the, I mean, again, I hate these new agey terms, like keep coming back on the journey together. It's very real. Yeah, it is. And then I would say just like lower your expectations. <laughs> like don't put like a lot of pressure on like that first next time or whatever. Just like, again, with like exercise, like I haven't exercised in like so long. I just want to get like, and you're like afraid to start again. It's just, it's like, just start, just start somewhere, just do something and then like, let it go from there. You know, it's like, you don't have to go from zero to 100 right away. Yeah. Welcome to Caitlin. And oh Aaron's my God. Maybe we should start our class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Aaron, let me ask you as the, the true expert here, why should people take the baby proofing your relationship course? Like I know admitting your relationship is suffering is like hard for people and they might be afraid to go there amidst the tiredness and the craziness of life. But, um, what's it like to take the course? Why should people prioritize this? Why, why should they sign up for your class? Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you just saying it's hard to admit, like it is really scary. Like I think having kids is weird because you, there's like this thing that you can lean on and go, well, it'll just get better. Like it's, it's just because we have this kid that we're disconnected, right? Which is true. That is a catalyst. But I think what happens and we sort of don't realize it and it is the norm, right? There's a lot of data on this is having kids decreases your ability to connect with each other, your time to connect with each other, right? All these dynamics we've been talking about and your connection gets eroded and eroded and eroded little by little. And all of a sudden you feel like you're not on a team, you're adversaries and you like kind of wake up and you're like, oh, we're not in love anymore. We're not compatible. I need to move on. And unfortunately, like, this is the norm, right? And the reason I made this course is because, as you said in the beginning, like it's something that weirdly has been like unattended to entirely in our culture. My parents got divorced when I was really young. That was difficult for me. Like I want people to have satisfying relationships. And I think that I put together like a really beautiful resource, like open a bottle of wine, make dinner, throw on a 15 minute video, you know, every third night for yeah. however long, you know, and like your relationship is going to be changed. It really will be for the better. Yeah, I think it's a supremely important topic. You can find Aaron. If you're listening, you can find Aaron's course um, at babyproofingyourrelationship.com. You can also get 25% off the course with a discount code, big time adulting, all one word. I will um, add that to show notes. Thank you, Aaron, so much for being here today. That was a super interesting, informative conversation. Thank you, Caitlin, so much. I really appreciate you having me. It's so fun to talk to you and get to meet you. Thanks so much for being here. For more information on today's episode, visit my show notes. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a review. Now get yourself a snack.